And because music is the air that we breathe, I am here today, once again, as always, in the pool house with Daniel. Daniel, how are you doing? Doing all right. Just all right? Just all right. That's fine. This, Daniel, if you didn't know, is a Sleater Kitty podcast where we take a Sleater Kitty song, chosen at random, every week, and we listen to it. We sit with it. We cuddle it. But most importantly, we examine the song and we examine the world around us through the song. Then we get back together at the end of the week and we talk about it. I've been listening to Slater Kenny for most of my life. Daniel's heard roughly the same amount of songs as the numeral of the first Madden NFL football game to be created in the 32-bit gaming era. So we're talking about Genesis, Super Nintendo, that, that kind of thing. It's 96. 97. 97. I said 96. Does yeah, that, does I, mean, that count? I think that's 96 and 7 together. 96. 96. Perfect. This week we listen to Iron Clad from Slater Kenny's fifth album, All Hands on the Battle. All right, Daniel. So that was Ironclad by Slater Kinney. Initial thoughts before we get into the song itself. How was your week with Ironclad? What was it like listening to? Definitely a better week than last week. You think so? Yeah. Nightlight was a great song, a great way to end. We talked a lot about the end of Slater Kinney, you know, sort of going away for, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that's but, what they leave on, right? Yeah, so that's what they, they leave on. Which they, I don't think they thought that at the time, no, clearly. No. So. <laughs> well, no, but there's enough of a, of a tension, you know, because mm-hmm. we've, we've had a couple of you know, songs from the woods, there's a tension there. And they knew that. I mean, I guess you can look back on it. We talked about this last week, so go and listen to that episode. But we've talked about how they they, they can read the lyrics and how they were singing it after the fact and be mm-hmm. like, well, here's the And put end. your own this kind of thing casting. Yeah, you're kind of casting. They could have made another record and then this one would have just been normal, you know. They, but, could, have, they could have broken up after one beat and then – Oh, yeah, right? And then and it's then like, what? oh, I read into Light Rail Fox in a certain way, you know, or Coyote. Or <laughs> right. You know, like, what? Who is the Coyote? Who is the Coyote? Right. Oh, it's but, clearly Janet. <laughs> so what do you think about this song, just cursory? Did you like it? Did you not yeah, like it? Yeah, this song is great. This song gets back to, like, in some abstract way, punk rock, staccato yeah. guitar, dual, uh, you know, harmonies between Carrie and Corin. It's fantastic. Um Lyrically, not a whole lot there. We'll get into that. No. But it's also – but what they do with it, which is what Slater Kinney does, and I know this is like a catchphrase of ours at this point, but you know, they basically take a song that other bands would do 100 times over and they make it their own. And they take something that has been in the hands of many, many, many bands, but they've made it a really, really great song um, in a way that other bands can't. So. Agreed. And we'll certainly talk more about that. But first – Want to do a little bit of context. So this song was recorded during the All Hands on the Bad One recording period, obviously, from December 99 to January 2000 at Jackbox Studios right here in Portland, uh, but also a couple of sessions at John and Stu's Place in Seattle. Uh, the album released on May 2nd, 2000. And if you want to hear more about that album, we obviously go depth on, in depth on that in episode 46. Uh, 
so we can take a deep dive on Carrie Brownstein's least favorite Slater Kinney album, All Hands on the Bad Ones. So go listen to that, that if you haven't listened to it. episode. It's a little divisive. We don't think it's the least favorite. So, Not our least favorite. No. No, for sure. Uh, Carrie wrote the song after reading a book about the Civil War. Um Probably while she was on tour with uh, the Hot Rock. You don't know what the book was, by chance. I don't. I'm not really into the Civil War. It's okay. Yeah. So, it's moot. But um, she reads a lot while she's there on tour. She just kind of sits in the van, or at least in the early days. So, she's reading about uh, the Civil War. She imagined the great ironclad ships, the Monitor and the Merrimack, uh, as obstinate people arguing, stubbornly refusing to back down from one another. So, I mean, it's a pretty good analogy, it's a great analogy. for uh, having a fight with I think that brings else. that level of uh, lyrical nuance that uh, a normal, you know, two sides pitted against each other. You know, it's kind of a stale song topic. Yeah. But now we've elevated it to a Civil War analogy. We've elevated it to ironclads and ships that uh, are, you know, in theory unsinkable and yeah, unstoppable. It's yeah. fantastic. Because when it's a... An immovable object and an unstoppable force. Who wins? Who wins? I don't know. But one ironclad. <laughs> Two winter, one leaves. What I really like about this track is that uh, after uh, Hot Rock, where it was so experimental and, and so different and, and very much like an art piece that they hadn't even tried to do in any way before, uh, this is the first track because the Battle of Lady Man is, is great um, and it's it's a fun punch at a, at a very specific thing that happened to them and uh, comment on rock and women's place in rock at large. This is the first like punk thing we get back to. This is really the first that classic Slater Kitty punch. Really out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, so even it's, hot rock. I can't think of one that just kind of punches as hard as ironclad. Yeah, exactly. Since dig me out. I mean, and, not the song dig me out, but the, the record as a whole. Right. Right. Exactly. Cause even Jenny, we're, we're leaving Jenny. That's not really the punch you want. So I don't know where our last oh, yeah. real yeah, big punch was from, yeah. but you know what I mean? I mean, dig me out was that just, that is a wall up in and of itself. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you could even make the analogy, Kelly, that the ironclads are really the dig me out versus the, uh, all hands on the bad one people. Ooh, Maybe that's those actually, are the two ships. That's nice. I like that. Uh, this song is, it's, it's crunchy. Which, again, goes back to that. And I think that it's really a smart move. I mean, the way they write songs, it, it makes sense that Carrie would have sang this one just because she's the one that put forth the, the lyrics. Yeah. And they, you know, their songwriting is so collaborative at this point that, uh, at this point in their, their discography at least, yeah. that, of course, she would sing it. But I think that it was so necessary because her voice is like that gruffer, mm-hmm. rougher feel. It would be uh, weird if Cora was saying Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, like she, her, she does I come like in her on the con- chorus, Yeah, obviously. no, no. Her contributions are perfect. But this is a perfect one where it's the opposite of what it normally is, which is Carrie. Cora's kind of leading the way. Carrie in the background, you know, doing the sort of song you can't hear mm-hmm. in the background, which is amazing and often is a secondary song in and of itself. This one, less of that, but more of just a really great melody between the two of them working off one another in a chorus capacity. Mm-hmm. They do do that sometimes, but other times they're just all singing songs together at the same time. Two different songs. Yeah, exactly. So this is a nice one where it's like, here we are. Hi, Corin. Welcome to the song. We Bye. Talk briefly about the lyrics not being super in-depth because they're they're not. I mean, they're it's not. it's really... You, it's a classic ironclad situation. I mean, who hasn't <laughs> written a book about the monitor, a song about the monitor and the merriment? I mean, I know I have. Actually, I don't know anything about... The Monitor of the Merrimack. Do you know anything about... Do you know what this is referencing? I mean, I said that I know nothing about the Civil War. It's not really my thing. I don't really like history. I get that. But but for Daniel's Dormitory, yeah. 
I was hoping that you would come with it. I'll take you into the Take me into the dorm. There we go. was a classic naval battle in the Civil War. You've already alluded to that. You pretty much know most of this. This happened on March 8th and March 9th, 1862, in an area called Hampton Roads, adjacent to a little town called Norfolk. Hey! I know about Norfolk because that's where I went to college. Yeah. So, I do know about the Monitor and Mary Mac. Joke's on you! That's right. So, there was a Union blockade uh, to to not let uh, the outside world into the South, uh, because fuck them. Yeah. And uh, and so the the Confederacy took over the USS Merrimack, which was part of the the U.S. fleet, and it became the CSS Virginia. So it, we call it the Monitor and the Merrimack, as you should, because the North won the war. Um, but it's technically the Monitor versus the Virginia, the CSS Virginia, mm-hmm. Confederate States. On the first day of the battle, they were um, the CSS Virginia went out into. Uh, the bay and shot down a bunch of U.S. ships that were all wood ships. Um, so this was the USS Congress, the USS Cumberland, and they were finally attacking the USS Minnesota when night fell. In the morning, they got up to take care of the USS Minnesota, as you do. But guess who was in the bay? The fucking USS Monitor. So these are two ironclads at this point meeting upon one another. Uh, the CSS Virginia, or the Merrimack, destroyed the wooden ships, and it was basically these two uh, were going at one another. Uh, they fought indecisively. The South wants to say they won, the North wants to say they won, but in reality, nobody won at all because they both sailed away from the incident. Mm. So let's all just calm down a bit. The real winner, I guess you could say, is the North because they the blockade did not fall. So they maintained the blockade. Um, this, the CSS Virginia went back to the port in Norfolk, uh, actually lived right across the street from the port. But um, but yeah, so it was a really divisive battle, and it was just an amazing battle that happened at the time, and everybody was enthralled by it um, because it was sort of the biggest ships in our arsenals meeting one another. And obviously people want to make of that what you will, especially that early in the war. 1862 was the second year of the war, so um, that's pretty much what happened right there. So who won? As I said, nobody... Who cares? Yeah, they went away. And I think some of it, even talking about the song, to go really quick to that, there's a element of that as well uh, in the song. It's significant because it changed naval warfare. Wooden ships were now gone forever um, because they saw what the Monitor could do. They were famous for having uh, heavy guns that could be mounted and could fire in all directions which was unique to the time. And they also had rams incorporated into their design, which was also something a wooden ship couldn't do without damaging itself. The Monitor would later become one of only two ships that would have an entire class named after them. So just one ship just happened to be called the Monitor. The other you might have heard of is a, is a Dreadnought, which is the huge ship that the British had during World War One. So a Dreadnought is another example of a ship that just existed that sort of changed warfare. Um, the Monitor was kind of the first one, and then the Dreadnought was the next. So you would never see a Monitor go up, up, up against a Dreadnought because a Dreadnought is like a cruise ship style. I mean, that's like a modern um, 
what we think of as like a, you know. Well, I'm just thinking of it in sci-fi terms. So it would be like the Battlestar Galactica versus a little Cylon fighter. Yeah, that's good. That's about right, actually, because those dreadnoughts are massive in scope. Um, but but even to like a normal person, you look up at a monitor, it's a big ship, but it's not big in comparison to like a cruise ship level, mm. humongous uh, sort of thing. Like an aircraft. Yeah. So what became of the ships? So I don't know. what happened? What happened? So the blockade, because it was unbroken, the Confederacy just said fuck it to Norfolk and they just left. They left without telling the Navy. So the Navy, <laughs> uh, you couldn't uh, get the ship back out because it's a sort of a shallow way in. You have to wait for the right time to sort of leave. So it could either be captured or it could be sunk because they didn't want it to be captured and you can't sink it in something that it's not even deep enough to like leave in. Uh, what do you do? You blow it up. Well, so naturally. they they set a fire in it. It took an entire all day and into the night to finally get the magazines to hit, and then it exploded. So the USS Virginia or the CSS Virginia is gone. Uh, the Mer- the Merrimack is is no more. The Monitor did exist for a little bit longer, but not too much longer. So it was ordered to Beaufort, North Carolina, to be a part of another blockade uh, on Christmas Day. It was sent out uh, 1862. Uh, after it was being towed, which is sort of normal for big ships like that. You don't want to use its resources, essentially, when it doesn't have to be. You can just kind of get a little tugboat to tug it, and mm. you can keep everything off. And you don't have to run coal and stuff like that. You can just kind of, like, coast along if you're not in a hurry. Um, there was a storm that happened, and it took on water. So that's something that the waves were enough that they could get into this boat. So this boat was lightweight enough to move really fast, but it was also low enough to the ground that it could do a lot of damage with that swivel gun, but it could also take on water. Oof. So when it took on the water, they had to abandon ship, sank on the 31st of December, oh, man. 1862, 16 people went down with her. Wow. But they were uh, rescued by the USS Rhode Island. Oh, so, so they didn't die. So not all of them died, but 16 people did die oh, okay, in you. a non-combat related war. And a whoopsie. Yeah. Which this is wasn't a, the best engineering idea. Bummer. Uh, so after being undetected on the ocean floor for 111 years, the wreck of the Monitor was finally found in 1973 uh, outside of uh, North the Outer Banks in North Carolina. Um, a team went down. It was 16 miles off of Cape Hatteras um, on a relatively flat, sandy bottom at a depth of 240 feet. In 1987, they declared a national marine sanctuary, the first shipwreck to receive that distinction. Uh, and now they did pull it up, but because of the way the metal has been warped, it had to sit for about 10 years before it could actually be moved. And you can actually go and view it, and I have actually seen it at the Mariner's Museum in Newport News, Virginia, which is just outside of Norfolk, just across. If you're in Norfolk, how do you get to Newport News? I don't know. You go across the Monitor Merrimack Tunnel. Oh, no shit. One is the Monitor, the other is the Merrimack. And that in itself is kind of a political statement. It's like, fuck the USS Virginia. Yeah. It's a monitor. It's a Merrimack. Um, so that tunnel was actually made in 1992 and anybody out there listening in Norfolk is a bitch, man. You're trying to leave on Friday. You're <laughs> sitting in traffic in this goddamn tunnel, which is an insane tunnel. You're going underneath the Chesapeake Bay. It's like you're driving on this like in the middle of nowhere. There's no land around you and then you just go into this mile-long tunnel and you just go <laughs> and then you come out and then you're in Newport News and you continue onward it's a wild thing i i haven't lived by tunnels uh, like that since i i lived there so yeah so that's the monitor in the merrimack they kind of had kind of disastrous ends their own weird endings but it was more of just a symbolic thing and i think uh with the song that's probably more what she's getting at it's not really about 
what happened. It doesn't right. actually I don't matter. think it's about the Civil I, War. No, I know, but it's, sure. but it's almost the two huge powers, and really anything can happen, even if it ends up being somewhat of a stampede. So. Backing off that theme of what is this song about? What is it? So, obviously, Carrie even said as much that it's just a representation of two obstinate people. But I mean, she's asking some pretty big questions. Who do you love, and what would you kill to make a hard stand still? What would you pay to make the hate go away? Like these are big questions of how much is it worth to keep fighting this fight? How? What are you willing to do to to prove yourself right over your your opponent? Like, is sure. it really worth it? Uh, it starts off pretty triumphant because like you went down in the very first round. Like, I'm the one who's winning. True. But by the end, it's like maybe we're still talking about that narrator. Like, okay, so you won this fight. How far are you willing to go? Are yeah. You, or to to make sure that you're the victor. Is well, it? there's a line too that says, you know, "Why battle cry? Dry your eyes. No one can hear you. Once iron made, heart of spade, harder spade." No one can steal you. It's like questioning what was all that even about or if you want to go for that round two. And if you do, if you keep going, you keep winning, are you even a person at the end? Are you somebody you still recognize? Are you now this new thing? Do you think this is from – do you think that Carrie had these experiences or she's just (laughs) – I mean I think it's a a fanciful interpretation of of probably – What she have beef with someone? (laughs) Well, I'm sure she did. I'm sure this was – not only spurred on by her reading. Do you think it was with Laura? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Laura. Uh, or or Tony. The, or uh, the normal punching bag, Laura. No. What was his name? Kanane, the the very very first Slater Kenny drummer. Drummer. I can't remember his name. I guess Misty Farrell's in there too. Oh my god. So it's got to go back to earlier episodes for that. I have <laughs> yeah. No idea. We can talk drummers all day long. There's yes. Laura's the only one I can go back far enough for. That's fair. But I, I think these are important. I mean, if nothing else, this is supposed to be a podcast about examining the world at, at large. And to do that, you really need to start at home with yourself. And this is one of those songs that you should internalize. Like, is this worth it? Do I need to be right? I think now more than ever, it's important to be wrong. If somebody comes up to you and it's like, hey, the thing you're saying is hurtful or offensive or, or maybe the, the, the fight you're fighting is, is hurting other people that you might not recognize – Instead of being defensive, instead of being ironclad, maybe let your walls down a little bit. Maybe say, oh, I'm wrong. It's okay that I'm wrong. Be a wooden ship. (laughs) Be a wooden ship that can be broken because from that you can rebuild. You can learn. You can be stronger. You can try to see things another way. But the first step is admitting like, oh, I'm fallible. True. Can't be ironclad. But you also open yourself up to becoming a Frankenstein, CSS Virginia type of character. So 
<laughs> it is it is with uh it is with a little bit of trepidation. Yeah, anybody nobody's going to openly submit to being torn apart at the hall, you know? Sure. But you're right. I think some walls have to come down before they can be built better, better materials, better whatever, but there's always the chance that breaking that down will then lead to or at least the fear of becoming a CSS Virginia Frankenstein right. is enough to deter a lot of people not to do that. But as long as you're not like as if you, most people don't go around thinking they're ironclad. I can't remember the last time I was like ever fronting in someone's face or like feeling this way, except very internally. And I guess I, Carrie's not going around trying to box people to death. But, I mean, I don't know. She's but but I don't know, right? I mean, maybe there is a bit of feist that I don't know. Yeah. Um, because otherwise it's all really internal. I'm not really – as long as we're all not going out trying to be ironclads, we can be ironclad in our hearts but not really well, no ironclad in our personality. Having strength yeah. of character, mm-hmm. you know, like sticking to your morals, sticking to your guns and – and uh, being unable to accept that you might be wrong, that yeah. there might be another uh, another viewpoint, even yeah, if you don't exactly. agree with it. Yeah, that's a fair point. So I think that it's, it's important to strike that balance. It is. It is. So we can all be ironclads in our hearts, but <laughs> but in public we should all be wooden ships, <laughs> capable of being destroyed. <laughs> yeah, but but if our destruction would be possibly your destruction because we we're, if we're both wooden, then it's not it's not uneven uneven balance and even that was something to be learned from obviously they changed the way they manufactured chips they decided we're not gonna do that maybe we're all gonna become ironclads maybe we all are ironclads maybe we are and then a dreadnought will come around and then we're all fucked (laughs) that's for another day though (laughs) (laughs) well i think that's about it for ironclad daniel do you have any last thoughts about the song yeah, the one episode where I didn't even mention Fugazi. So this is definitely a <laughs> this is definitely a special episode. <laughs> so I'm just gonna save that for next wow. week. We skated right through. I know it's crazy. That's a first, yeah, uh, we're a real podcast. Did you know you can find us everywhere on the internet at SlaterKinney over the week So that's s o t w You can find us on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. SOTW Pod is your best friend. It's everywhere. We also have a Patreon where we're going to, you know, we have special episodes there. We talk about, I mean, if you love Sleater Kenny, maybe you'll love the playlist we create, which we do every week for every song. This week's playlist was great. You can find that at number one must have playlist on Spotify or again, SOTWPod.com. There's going to be a link right there for you. And if you go to Patreon, we'll even talk about that. We'll talk about the whole playlist. You can hear us for an extra little bonus episode. That's Patreon.com slash SOTW pod, Slater Kitty, Over the Week pod. Can't go wrong. Got it. You got to gotta find us. Before we get to my favorite part of every episode, where we pick our next week's song, we're people. We lived in the world. We learned stuff. We got broken down. We got built back up. Yeah. Daniel, we what? ironclad now. <laughs> what I mean, I'm ironclad now. <laughs> to steal yourself, what did you give? Who did you kill this week, other than Slater Kitty? I won tickets. I won the lottery to go to Hamilton. Word got around and said this kid is insane, man. Took up a collection just to send him to the mainland. Get your education, don't forget from whence you came. And the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there's a million things I haven't done. Just you wait, just you wait. Oh my god. I mean, I knew that. That was feigned. That's true. So That's but true. I know. Can you believe it? Crazy. That's insanity. I've never yeah. won anything in my entire life. I went from wooden ship to ironclad, basically. <laughs> yeah. Lottery tickets were orchestra, second row, 
absolutely bizarre. A uh, huge Hamilton fan uh, of the musical and uh, obviously history buff and all that. You guys have listened to all the episodes. You you got it. You understand. But yeah, it was a, it was a wild experience. It's hard to it's hard to put into without talking to for an hour and a half about Which how great sure every single yeah. tiny tiny little element, every laugh, every single look that a character gives everyone. Yeah, it's really fun to watch it, especially if you really love the the soundtrack. It's really fun to go to the show and have people who are not I mean, they're probably going out of their way to not have it be a facsimile of the soundtrack. Mm. Um, so I found that amazing. And there are moments um, uh, I'm thinking of the song Satisfied. Um, Wait For It even has like an echo reverb effect where I kind of thought for a second that they were just going to just play the soundtrack. But they actually went and recorded this girl, uh, you know, the rewind part, rewind, oh, rewind, rewind. Uh, she actually recorded that whole oh, thing. So it's her point. voice. It's her voice going on it. And it's those little things that I don't think anybody else would ever care about. But that's definitely a thing. Uh, I love a show that like has these lighting effects and these little things that don't get overplayed. There was only one time the light sort of shined across all of us to like men in black us for a second. Mm. You know, like uh, only one time that a spotlight came down on the room where it happens, where we close on Burr, mm. you know, singing, singing his song. Um, the lights come down from the ceiling to sort of indicate the that the chapel if you will where we're at for the wedding and they only come up and down on helpless and satisfied and then we never see them again the street lights come out twice once for the first time that uh, burr meets hamilton but then we see it again for miss mariah reynolds you know when Mm. when he meets her so there's like all of these symbolic moments that kind of correlate to all of the stuff that's happening just for the wedding yeah it's it's incredible it's incredible and the king was hilarious. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong when you have King George III, who's just so sarcastic, rolling the R's, and is not trying to be like Jonathan Groff on the on the soundtrack, you know, because he's such a perfect king. I mean, he's almost he's almost the one I, I didn't think could be replicated. Really, of all the people, you're like this guy. Yeah, I mean, he is. Well, I just thought it would be like again a really bad facts of who that person was, but mm-hmm. this guy really owned it. He didn't do a lot of the stuff that I've seen. In other videos and stuff, because obviously when they were creating it, you know, it's either him standing really still, and that's kind of funny because he's just like a stuffy character. When everybody's so animated. Right, or you have a really animated person. I've seen that as well. Um, So this guy really skirted the line, and I don't know, he just made it his own of the couple I've seen. So that was a really fun one, and um, yeah, it was really fun to see a crowd. To be in a crowd of people who a lot of them hadn't seen Hamilton. You know, they just kind of are patrons of the arts or they uh, purposefully didn't listen to the soundtrack, you know, because they knew they wanted to buy tickets and wanted to see it. Or they're just have other they have lives. They don't really you know, this wasn't one thing that they ever caught on to. That would be one aspect that vicarious seeing it for the first time. That would be really neat to, to see live. I mean, it's, I want to see live no matter what, but yeah. like that. Extra but people laughing layer. with John Adams and stuff like all the little jokes that are there. And we've all laughed at when we listen to it. It's so fun to hear people like cackling when it's like, John Adams doesn't have a real job anyway. And it's like <laughs> laughter all around you. And you're like, what? That's great. I mean, that makes me so fucking happy. Yeah. Yeah. We saw the Philip, the Philip uh, company. There's a Philip in the Angelica company that are touring the country. And so we got to see the Philip and they're my best friends now. So they are 100% like how I see the show. And um, I, I want to bootleg. A version of their show sure. uh, because I just I love that the the way they did it I love I love that they can take a character who you think is stuck in one way and make them all of a sudden a sarcastic character a sardonic character an ironic character um, somebody who is looking at the world in a much different way than you thought they were just by the way they look at people the way that they yeah exactly so 
Yeah, I can't. I mean, this is not a crazy recommendation. Hamilton's great, guys. <laughs> uh, and also the lottery. It's like, if you live in a city, man, I can't. I didn't think this was something you could win. I didn't think this was real. I thought this was a fake thing. I thought that other people won. But guess what, guys? You've listened to me now for, what, 90-something episodes on this podcast? I am a winner. I won. You can. I'm not a winner. You know me. You listen to me every week. I'm not a winner. You can win just like I did. So it's all about putting in, you know, just do it. Do it. If if, if you're in St. Louis, they're coming soon. Uh, if you're in Denver and if you're in Portland now, throw down, man. They're coming all over. Still got a couple more weeks. It's so easy. So easy. Yeah. Do your best. I mean, I haven't won yet, but yeah. I'm doing my best. But if I win again, you're going. Heck yeah. It's going to be great. Heck yeah. Anyways, Hamilton recommendation yeah i uh i haven't really been doing a whole lot actually i did watch start watching the second season of jessica jones which i knew uh came out a couple weeks ago not as good as the first season it's um i don't know we're really harping on a new character that's just not that compelling she hasn't really done any like save the cat make me want to when uh care about her do they still harp on jessica jones well yeah that's okay good because uh she's the main character so i just didn't know if they're like taking a break on jessica we're gonna try to introduce other people yeah but, uh, I mean, I'm trying to get through it. Almost trying done. to get through. Yeah. That's fair. But that's, uh, that's about it. Are hey. you ready? Are you ready to find out what happens next week? I can't wait. We're almost done. We're almost done. I mean, this is kind of crazy. We've so. got like 15 episodes left. In fact, we have exactly 15 episodes Whoa. Left. So it's like you've done the math. Let me, uh, let's pull up random.org. So we're almost done. Holy shit. All right. Our one day, hopefully, sponsor, random.org. <laughs> hey, random.org. It's only we been two years. <laughs> we end in 15 episodes. Come on. Please, come through with us. All right, Daniel, one through 15. Oh, God. I could get this right, even. I mean, I've traditionally, I've gotten about six or seven right so far throughout the whole run of the show. It was just a lot. Um, it was just a lot, yeah. I'm a pretty good guesser. I guess that's why I won the lottery. Hmm. Maybe luck is on my side. <laughs> Lucky number Seven? Seven. Seven. Out of 15. It's right in the middle. Everything's like right on one page now since we have so few. I know. It's crazy. Number seven would have been her again all the way back from Slater Kinney. The very first album. Oh, shit. This might be one of our last Slater Kinney. I mean, we've already listened to the whole album. I think this might be the yeah. last. Looking at it now, I think this. Yeah, that's the last one. I can just one. clearly see. It's on the fucking spreadsheet. Yeah, so. that's true. The last one. Wow. But that's not. So we're done. 1994. We're closing it out. <laughs> we're never going back. That's not the one we're picking. That's not next week. Oh, shit. That's, that's right. That's you I guessed. Got... No way. The actual number is number eight, and I don't know how this <laughs> hasn't it. happened yet, but next week's going to be a good one, because even though we've heard every song from the album, we finally get to listen to The Woods. and The whole album. The whole fucking album oh, from start shit. to finish. I mean, arguably, that's even true. amongst ourselves, Slater Kinney's best fucking <laughs> album, and I cannot wait to listen to this on repeat Every day next week. Forever. I'm so excited. 2005 vibes coming through. It's going to be so good. So Hell yeah. stay tuned next week. We will finally get to do the woods. We've only got a couple more weeks with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. It has been a real treat. Daniel, take a look. Come find us at SOTW Pod. That's right. Slater Kinney on the week. Slater <laughs> Kinney over the week. Slater Kinney over the week. <laughs> See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. On the day the was born